You know, when you give your life to, to God, a, a lot of times people say, well, you just need to serve God. You just need to, to live for God. And, and so people try to interpret that. Just serve God. Well, I mean, I better get busy. I better work, and I better do a lot of things to, to make God pleased with me so I can please him. But uh, if I ask you to raise your hand, I'm pretty sure everybody here would say, I want to please God. Whatever, I want to please. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm talking to the right audience. But if I would say, do you think that you please God? Let me see your hand. Do you think you please God? It's about a third of you. The first service is about half. Let me tell you good news today. All of you are pleasing God today. I said all. That includes you. That means nobody's left out. Everybody here is pleasing God. If you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, from that day and throughout eternity, you please God. Amen. 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 You please God. Because, see, I was raised in church, and I've been very religious in my lifetime. And I would strive, and I would work, because I want my Father, my Heavenly Father, to be pleased with me. And I thought there were so many times that I wouldn't be pleasing to Him. And then I came to the revelation that I'm pleasing to God no matter what I do. Even when I sin and miss it. I still please him. Hallelujah. I'm saying it real slow because I don't want anybody passing out. We don't have those defibrillators or whatever you think hanging on the wall. Clear. You please God no matter what. Why? Because his relationship with you is not based upon you and what you do. It's based upon Jesus and what he has done. Woo. That just sets you free. That just sets you free. And if that didn't, that will. There should be nobody sleeping in church today. Makes babies cry, but I mean. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. It says this, so that his tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory for the same love he has for his beloved one Jesus he has for us. I didn't I forgot to tell you. I got ahead of myself. If you want to follow along, we have notes online. You can go to rmfchurch.org. You click on media and click on notes or you can scroll down all the way to the bottom. It says notes. You'll see today's title. Just do it. Just do it. And we're talk- this starts a new series for this whole month. It's going to be about serving God. About serving God. And, uh, but for the foundation to be right, you have to know that you, God is pleased with you no matter what. And it's not based upon your performance or what you do or don't do. Listen, this is a big thing for the body of Christ. Because there's people all around the world that are serving in churches today. But you know what their mentality is? A lot of them, not all of them, it's based upon fear. Well, I better serve God because I, I want to be pleasing to him. And, and you know, he, I, I, I'm, he may make my hot water heater break. <laughs> may make my washer go out. And Really? Really? 
You think God's going to get you because, yeah, and so I'm just, I'm just making sure that I keep him happy. There's been actual people in our church who have done things and came up and literally told me, well, is there anything else I can do because I, I want to be uh, the Father God to be pleased with me. And I looked at them, I go, what? Really? People think that way. People think that way. And it's wrong. No easy way to say it. It's wrong to think that I have to do something to be accepted and be pleasing to God. Are your children like that? If you are, you got a warped parent thing going on. My kids don't do certain things. I'm not going to love them. I'm not going to accept them. God has taught me so much with ki having kids myself. And even more with grandkids. They, my grandkids do, my kids did wrong. My ki grandkids, they do nothing wrong. They don't do wrong. When they're corrected by their parents, I'm looking at it, I go, you be easy on them now. <laughs> and my heavenly father says, you think I think any less than what you think? You think I think less of you than what you think of your grandkids? Do your grandkids have to do and measure up? For you to accept them? <laughs> no. It's the same way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says that so that his tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory. The grace of God is placed in you, around you, over you to bring glory to God. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus. I mean, think that God loves Jesus. I mean, just really, really loves Jesus. It says, for the same love, not one close to it, but the exact same love that he loves Jesus, he has for us. So, what's the interpretation of that? God loves Jesus, and he loves you the same as he loves Jesus. Wow. And I'm going to do even one better. In Matthew chapter 3, uh, it talks about when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. Are you familiar with that? Jesus went to John in the river, and John the Baptist baptized him. When he came up out of the water, God the Father spoke over him. And he said these words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let me ask you a question. At that time, he was 30 years old, Jesus was. He had not done one miracle. Hadn't preached a sermon as far as having a big crowd and preaching a sermon. Hadn't done anything, no healings, no raising the dead. Hadn't performed, if you want to call it that, anything. And yet, yet, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he did that without any performance whatsoever. What is he saying? Because he's my son. I'm well pleased because he's my son. I'm well pleased because he's my son. Amen. I'm well pleased because he's my son. Amen. He thinks the same way about that with you and me. He's well pleased. Today, not because you've done anything great or had any miracles or anything. You read your Bible every day. You prayed. Of course, those things are good, but that's not why he's pleased. He's pleased because you are his child. Amen. Period. Yes. Period. Yes. <laughs> that has set you free. 
Because I used to think if I didn't read my Bible every day, I'd just, oh, I'm sorry, God. I repent. And, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yet a cat of nine tails beat my back. People still believe and think that way. I'm telling you, it's just wrong. Okay. Moving right along. But I'm telling you, we're going to be talking about serving God. And you have to get this right to get a revelation about serving God. Because most people get the cart before the horse. You know what I mean by that? Most religious people do this. I've done this in my past. And I'm still working on it. Trust me. But I don't want to ever, because I've done so many things. When I went to Bible school, we did, Melody and I, we were involved heavily. I mean everything. I taught three-year-olds for a year. 30 of them. If you've never had 30 three-year-olds in one room, it can't be explained. It cannot be explained. But anyway, I've been bid on, thrown up on, pooped on, and everything else. That was just one day. But anyway, I mean, it, it was just a challenge. It was a challenge. But so I know about serving. The Lord has taught me tremendous things in serving. But this is the thing. God, listen to me now. God does not want you doing anything based upon obligation and, and making him think that you, you owe, you have to owe it. Well, I owe this. I have to do it. If you do, you're going to get burned out, stressed out. You'll be crying and complaining a whole lot. And I've seen all of that. You serve and I serve when we get a revelation of the grace of God and the acceptance of God. And that causes me to have a want to, not a have to. There's a big difference, man. Oh, there's such a difference. I don't want anybody right. Man, there's people who do, like I said, putting the stage and everything that people do. I, I, I don't even know everything everybody does. I just get up and let it rip. But I'm telling you, there's people that there wouldn't be a camera. I don't know anything about that camera. I don't know anything about the sound system. I don't know any. I just, I'm just so thankful there's people that do. So I'm thankful for people who serve. But I don't want anybody, and I'm so sure there's some people that serve that, that don't have this revelation, but I don't want anybody serving outside of the grace of God. Grace is what's going to empower you to serve. Are you hearing me? Grace is what empowers us to serve. And then if you understand grace, you're not going to complain when things don't go well or right. You know, feedback and glitches and just stuff like that. You got, it's technology at its best. But you just have to embrace the grace of God. And so this is going to be the foundation for the weeks to come about serving God. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7. But before I go that, let me just say this about Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, are you just, Paul wants you to swim in the goodness of God and what he's done for you. And then the second half of Ephesians, he tells you practical things to do. You know, like husbands, love your wives. Well, if you don't understand the first three chapters, you can only do that for a couple hours, a couple of days. Love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's supposed to be funny. But anyway, um, 
I think people have, I know there's been times, I've been married almost 30 years, and so there's been times in my married life, it's like, Lord, help me. Jesus, help me. And if you ask my wife, it's even like, oh, Jesus, help me. But it's a lot more. But uh, this is the thing. If you don't understand the first three chapters of how good God is to you and what he's done for you and the grace and the love and the manifestation, it's all about what he has done for us. If you don't understand that, you're going to have a really difficult time doing the doing part. It's the same way of serving God. If you don't understand the goodness and the grace and the love and everything he's done for you, you're going to have a hard time serving him and doing what he wants you to do. Man, that is really good. All right, so you got that. Ephesians 1.7. This is a passion translation. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of salvation by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins. Let me stop there. It's just hard for me to read that and not say something. The total cancellation of our sins. You don't need a Greek theologian to give you the interpretation of that. But I'm going to give you an interpretation of that. It means all your sins have been canceled. When you get born again, when you get born again, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are canceled. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He says he remembers them no more. He does not take an account. There's no accounting system in heaven that's writing down every sin that you commit. That's, he's just like, what? I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, 19. I'm not for sure. But there is no accounting system for your sins. Is that it? Okay. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is talking about when he was crucified. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the world of reconciliation. Look at that in the the New Living Translation. Let me see that. I'm putting a curveball on them back there. Not imputing their trespasses. Okay, oh yeah, here it is. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins. Against them. If you look that up, I will give you this. In the Greek, the, it's an accounting term. It's an accounting term, which means you, you, God is not keeping a record of your sins anymore. Amen. That's worth coming to church for right there. Because when I was raised in church, I thought everything that I did. You know, I stole a matchbox car when I was seven years old. I still remember that. God doesn't. He didn't write it down. Oh, I'm so thankful. I should have never said it because now you know it. But anyway, I mean, there, every sin that I did, I thought God was writing it down. And if I didn't ask him, beg and plead, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. He, I mean, I, I was going to go straight to hell. I was going to burn for a matchbox car that I stole. It was going to burn forever. But God says, I'm not even keeping record of your sins, Mike. That's not my opinion. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That's not my opinion. Religion has given us the opinion that God is real. You better straighten. You better. You. You. Oh, you. And now when I come to Jesus, he says, it's me. It's me, Mike. It's me. It's me. It's not you. Christianity is not just about Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Okay. Ephesians 1.7. The total cancellation of our sins. Let me say this. 
It's not just your past sins. It's your present sins. And I'm pretty sure you're going to maybe sin in your future, and it's canceled those out as well. How many think that's a good father? How many think that's a good savior? You know, we think, oh, yeah, God is so good. No, 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 honey. He's canceled all of your sins that you're ever going to commit, period. In other words, if you sin tomorrow, and you may, and you may sin tonight when you come to my house and eat four gallons of ice cream. But, I mean, (laughs) but this is the thing. He says they're all taken care of. What kind of savior is that? Awesome. Awesome. All, and this is why, all because of that cascading riches, plural, of his grace. What does that mean? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve my sins to be taken care of. I don't deserve the life that I live. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his, un, his forgiveness. But he says you don't and you can't. It's because of his grace. Oh, my goodness. Verse 8, this super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us, flooding. I like that word, flooding. What does that mean? Too much. If there's a flood, it means it's too much water. This is talking about too much grace. Flooding, where? Into every part of our being. Releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, This is where the trick comes, if you want to call it a trick. You have to have a revelation of this to even understand what I'm telling you today. You can get this in your brain. goes, oh, yeah, the grace of God. He he loves me. I don't have to. No, no, no. You can have the knowledge, but you need a revelation of him. If you have a revelation of him, then you understand what I'm telling you. It says, and through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desire to us. The hidden mystery of this long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new and all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. What he's saying is here, if you're going to live your life out the way, the kind of life that God has for you and me, You're going to have to have a, first of all, anointing, I mean, a revelation of the anointed one, Jesus, and understand this cascading grace of riches that he's implanted already inside of you. Not going to, not when you get to heaven. You know, we used to sing, when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. And so I was just thinking, let's just die now because this is hell on earth, man. I'm just, but this is the problem. Jesus didn't just do all this so you can have it in your future. Is that part of the equation? Part of the equation. Part of the equation is that you have a mansion in heaven in streets of gold and there'd be no sin, no sickness or or, or death there. That's part of the equation. But I'm going to tell you the full equation. Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly right now. And the devil's got the church hoodwinking to thinking that when we get to heaven, we're really going to live. And so the church is just letting the devil push them around and letting the world push them around and just live in sin and sickness and poverty and death and destruction. 
And until the church gets a revelation that Jesus came for a far greater reason than you and I could ever dream or think of. It's to have life, the very life of God today. Whoa. All I can say is whoa. Did we read it all? We did read it all. So serving God, what is the motivation of your heart? I have to, I better, I should. Or is it because I love him so much I want to? I want to. I have a want to. I have a want to. John Osteen, that's Joel Osteen's father. I just thought of this, so I'm going to say it. Uh, I heard him tell the story about um, there was this uh, older woman in his church. She'd been married eight times. And, uh, and she dipped snuff. If you're from Kentucky, you know what that means. You know what that means? They put this little tobacco stuff in your, And she was a woman. And, you know, she'd have a little crease of that stuff coming. Yeah, it's, it's not nice. I thought, I don't know if you're going to find somebody to kiss that. But anyway, um, he said there was this woman who, who, who had that. And she liked this man who was coming to the church. And, and uh, for years, though, she says, I knew I just should quit that. I should just quit that. I should just quit that. And uh, she kept saying, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't quit this. And all of a sudden, this good-looking guy came in. And so she wanted, she knew, she knew that uh, he would not accept her for that or like her for that. So she quit right away. And John Osteen said, that's because you had a want to. Before, you had to have a have to. And a have to will never give you victory until you get a want to. It's the same way in serving. There's people serving, churches all around the world. And I'm telling you, they're stressed out, burned out, complaining of this and complaining about that. And I'm telling you, if you're complaining about doing anything as far as serving, there is a grace disconnect. There's a grace disconnect. You don't understand grace. Because if you understand grace, God empowers you to do anything in the church or serving him or anything else. And if you're, doing, if you're complaining or whining or not liking it, it's because you have not gotten a hold of or have a revelation of grace. Okay, just moving right along. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. We'll stop right there. Say it again. It is through God's kindness. Then it's not by their good works. It's by his grace. It's not by your good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is. Free and undeserved. Oh, man. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve prosperity. I don't deserve uh, my sins being forgiven. I don't deserve to, to live in goodness of God. I don't deserve any of those things. And God says, I know. That's why you needed a Savior. His name is Jesus. And if you understand that, if you understand, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he says, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Amen. So, I'm going to have to skip down. Philippians 
not in your own strength. Just put this in the frame of, of serving God, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing, creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Do you see anywhere in that scripture where it's about you and how hard you can work? It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. I love, for those who've been coming to our church, I was in the Air Force, and I love aircraft. I just love planes. I love aircraft. And uh, I remember uh, years ago when the B-2 bomber came out. The B-2 bomber, I, I read up on it and everything. And it's an aircraft. It's a bomber that it's stealth, of course. But uh, it's a flying wing. It's nothing but a flying wing. And I read this one article, and I'm going to read it. First of all, it costs $2 billion, B, not million, B, billion, a piece for one. One aircraft costs $2 billion. Yeah, that's enough to make it go wow. Anyway, th- listen to this article. By the 1980s, advancements in computer technology made the flying wing a more viable option. Northrop Grumman, Grumman built the B-2 with a sophisticated fly-by-wire system. Instead of adjusting the flaps through mechanical means, the pilot passes commands on to a computer which adjusts the flaps. In other words, the pilot controls the computer and the computer controls the steering system for the aircraft. The computer system also does a, a lot of work independent of the pilot's input. It constantly monitors gyroscopic sensors to keep track of the plane's attitude, its position relative to the airflow. If the plane starts to turn unexpectedly, the computer automatically moves the rudders to counteract the turning force. The corrections are so precise that the pilot usually won't feel any shift at all. If I, they, I talked to some people and known some people that, uh, and read some articles about this, that the pilot does not have this, if it wasn't for the computer, the pilot does not have the skill or the ability to fly the aircraft on his own. So, if the computer crashed, the plane's going to crash because it's impossible. So, the good news is, they, I don't know this for a fact, so, but they say, you know, this is top secret stuff, there's at least four backup systems on the aircraft. So if one computer, another one, and if that one does, a third one, and if that one does, it's the fourth one. So this is the thing. This is the thing. The, that plane, that aircraft can do miraculous things, and, and it stays flying, and it's not based upon the skill or the performance of the pilot. And the Lord says, that's my grace for you, Mike. He talks to me in different ways. Sometimes it's aircraft lingo. He says this, Mike, you can't do what I want you to do. You can't be what I want you to be. But I've got grace for you. And just like that pilot, he just says, okay, I want to turn left. But it's not just turning left. It tells the computer and it tells this system and it tells that thing. And it, everything else talks to its one and it makes the plane turn left. And the pilot goes, that's what I wanted. But it's not based upon him. He can't do that. Because the plane won't fly. It, it, only a computer can fly, make those corrections to cause it to fly. And God says, if you want to have victory, oh, come on now. If you want to walk in health and healing, 
If you want to walk in prosperity, if you want to walk in happiness and goodness, if you want to see what I, I have gotten for you, you've got to get a hold of my grace because you will try and you will try. And every time you're trying, you're going to crash and burn. You're going to work harder and crash and burn. You're going to try to do this and get it all figured out and you're going to crash and burn. But when you realize you can't do it, the grace of God all of a sudden comes alive inside of you, which has been there ever since you gave your life. To the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God comes alive, and all this, just like the computer system talks to the system, talks to the system, and boom, it happens in spite of you, in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your lack. That's good stuff. And if you are getting stressed out, if you are just saying, well, it doesn't work for me, I don't understand this, then there's a grace disconnect. There is a grace disconnect. You are trying to work, and you are trying to do this. And listen to me. In Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, it says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So let me just give you a red light on your dashboard like you get on your car when something's not right. This is a red light on your dashboard. If you feel like what you're doing is hard work and, and it's just, you know, serving God is hard. And, and you know, I, ser- I work in the nursery. It's hard. <laughs> Have you changed 14 poopy diapers and and babies crying. It's just hard, Pastor. I'm thankful that you do that. But if that's your attitude, there's a grace disconnect. Because it's not my opinion. Matthew 11, 29, 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if it's heavy, if it's hard, There's a grace disconnect. So what do you do? So you go to your father and you tell him, Father, this has been really hard for me. I don't understand. It's just really hard. So obviously, my perspective, I'm I'm seeing something uh, that I shouldn't be seeing, and I need to see what you see. I need that grace to come alive inside of me to do what I need to do. You think your father would help you do that? I think he would help you do that. Amen. So if you're stressed out of your gourd, Just know this. That's a red light on your dashboard. Disconnect. And where's the disconnect? In the grace of God. The undeserved, I can't work for it, power that needs to be activated on the inside of you. Amen. Paul understood this. And let me just say this. There's some people that I don't want you to think that everybody needs to be doing something. I remember years ago, Catherine Waller, uh, Travis, uh, he went on to be in heaven uh, years ago. And he came to Melanie and me one time. And he said this. He says, I just feel a little guilty, you know, whatever. And I, I just feel like we should be doing something in the church. And, you know, we're, we're serving or something. And you know what I told him? And listen to me. This is a, to- a, uh, a tool of the devil. I just feel like we ought to be doing something. I said, no, 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 no. I said, do you realize you just coming here causes stability in our church? Just bring stability to the church. And man, they just all got all choked up and everything like because they felt condemned. Felt guilty because, you know, we don't do it. And they were, they were such giving people. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. You, listen, you, people can serve in so many different ways by praying, by, by giving, by doing things, yes, but also just by coming here and bringing stability and just praying for people and just being here. Just being here. And even when you're not here, if you're going on, 
we don't want you to fill. This isn't a religious square on Sunday that you fill out when you come to this church. If, you know, some people, they miss a Sunday. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, do you still love me, Pastor? Let me think about it. No. No, we want you to come to church so you can hear messages like this so we can all grow in the love and the grace of God. Yeah. But listen, this is not something religious that you and I need to be partakers of. We need to understand. I'm sorry, the clock just caught my attention. We need to understand. I lost my train of thoughts. We should get rid of the clock. Paul said it this way. Let me just close with this scripture. Paul said that he bragged. It sounded like he was bragging about how much he did. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. He says, but by the grace. Now, I want you to listen every time that this scripture talks about grace. All right? But by the, when I say it or read it, why don't you say it with me? All right? I'm going to start over. But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless and without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, talking about the apostles. Paul's saying, I worked harder than everybody. Well, stick a feather in your cap, Paul. But listen, what he says, though it was not really I, but the grace. The unmerited favor and blessing of God which was with me. That's what serving God is all about. You work hard and it just seems like, man, that dude's really working. But if you have an understanding of grace, you'll be standing with Paul that says, it was not I that did the work. It was the grace of God that worked through me. And therefore, I can work hard because of the grace, not because of what I can do. It's because of him. It's because of him. It's because of him. It's because of him. Woo! Let's stand to our feet.